You are listening to Scattered by Anchored Baptist Church, where we are working to reflect the diversity of Amanus as we gather to hear good news and as we scatter to share it. And this morning, I, I want us to be looking at what ties these gifts together, or what ties them up. What brings the elder and the deacon and the congregation together? What it is that we're called to do here on a Sunday and every other day, actually. Today, we are looking at the gift of worship. So what is worship? Worship is to have a right understanding of who God is so that, so that through that understanding, we can truly value and treasure God. What does it involve? Quoting John Calvin, Worship involves acknowledging God to be as He is the only source of all virtue, justice, holiness, wisdom, truth, power, goodness, mercy, life, and salvation. So now why would I say that worship ties all these previous gifts that we have spoken about together? Because it is in the call to worship, well, it is in that call to worship that brings the body of Christ together, the elder, the deacon, the church member, all form a part of that body of Christ that is called to worship. We are all called to hear the word of God read, to lift up our voices in singing, to pray, to serve one another in our giftings, to observe the Lord's Supper and baptism. All these are forms of worship within the body of Christ. Now, before we get to the whole gift of worship, we have to do some work within our text. So if you would turn with me to Romans chapter 12, we read here, oh, well, let me read our text for us first, and then I'll get to that. Reading from Romans chapter 12, verse 1, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by tasting you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think highly of himself or more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. For as in one body we, may, we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function. So we, though many, are one body in Christ, and individually members of one another, having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us. Let us use them, if prophecy in proportion to our faith, if service in our serving, the one who teaches in his teaching, the one who exhorts in his exhortation the one who contributes in generosity, the one who leads with zeal, the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. So in this first 
part of our text, we see that Paul is making an appeal to the Romans. Well, what is he appealing for? Why the appeal? Well, throughout the whole epistle of Romans, Paul is making an argument from chapter 1, verse 18, all the way through to chapter 11, verse 36. And it's based off of this argument that Paul then appear, uh, appeals. But what is he appealing to the Romans for? We see that Paul is saying to them, present your bodies as living sacrifices. He is calling them to present themselves fully to Christ, body and soul. We see the sacrificial language and immediately we're taken back to the Old Testament and we're thinking, sacrifice, okay, animals were killed as sacrifice, so how then this this living sacrifice, how, how, how do we do this living sacrifice? How do we present ourselves in that way? So, in order to answer that, we need to backtrack just a bit in that same passage, and we read that brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as living sacrifices. You see, it is by the mercy of God, through His work in salvation where Jesus became the sacrifice for us, that we are now able to prevent, uh, present ourselves as living sacrifices. You see, in and of ourselves, we would never be able to present any sacrifice. Our sacrifice from ourselves would be dead. It would be impossible. It would fail. It could never satisfy that perfection that God expects from us. But it is in Jesus' perfect sacrifice alone that we have been made new, that we have been taken from death to life and are able to live for him. And that is what Paul is appealing for us to do. He is saying, you are alive in Christ, and well, because of his sacrifice, you have been set apart by him to do his will for his glory. And how does this play out? Well, it leads to worship. Our lives lived as a part of the body of Christ, the church, is how we worship. So yes, it leads us to worship. This is what the Spirit of God is doing in you. Already here in our first verse, we hear this call to worship. And already here we can see that this worship that we have been called to is given to us as a gift through Christ. In verse 2, the appeal continues. Do not be conformed to this world, or don't be like the world around you. Be set apart. We think of being holy and acceptable as we read in verse 1. We know and we can clearly see the dangers of the world around us. We can see that the world that we live in has become hostile to the things of God, hostile to the gospel. Just in thinking, we can think about the rise of the LGBTQ movement, not just overseas, but here in South Africa. We can see how corporations have bowed the knee. We can see how our schools are being pressured into this way of thinking. We know that our government has given over to it long ago, and sadly, we see churches conforming to this ideology as well. 
We see it in the secularization of our society that is moving from a religious to a worldly society. We know that our own country was once a country built on Christian morals and values, maybe not perfect, but we have seen how that has eroded as well. But before we think it's just these big dangers, these big worldly problems that pose a threat to us, conforming to the world could also be more subtle. How are we using our time? What is our attitude towards work, life, family? Basically, what is our attitude towards the things that we have been called to? We truly need to be aware of just how pervasive and accessible the influence of the world has become. But there's hope. Paul gives us the way to guard ourselves. He says, be transformed by the renewal of your mind. Now anchored, how are our minds renewed? How are we to guard against the influences of the world? How are we to guard against the temptations of the flesh? Through the word. God, in his mercy, has given us the gift of his word to guide us. The word of the Lord teaches us discernment and provides the test for us to measure all things and to see if they are from God and profitable for our lives. Anchored God, the Holy Spirit, is working through his word to make our minds new each day. That is why it is important for us to hear the word preached to us on a Sunday. That is why it is important for the heads of the houses to wash their families in the word. It's so that we may be prepared to face the world and its dangers. You see, anchored... How are we to protect ourselves against the world if we don't continually renew our minds in the Word through the Spirit? But it's not just important for that reason alone. The hearing of the Word preached is a form of worship in itself. It's a form of worship that leads the hearers to worship. And we'll see this in the following verses From verse 3 to 8, Paul introduces us to the life of a Christian. From the previous verse, we saw that the Christian life is formed by the hearing of the word. And in the next verses, Paul lays out for us what marks then the Christian community, and specifically in our text, the gifts that have been given to the believers, gifts that we need to use to serve and build each other up in the church, gifts of Essentially, worship. So let's dive into verse 3. We read, For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith God has assigned. Paul shares with us that he has been gifted to warn us not to think too highly of ourselves, Not to think of ourselves as the center of the world, but rather to think clearly with sober judgment about ourselves. And this is an important point, a very important warning. 
Because the moment we start speaking about giftings, our giftings, we can easily fall into the trap of pride. And what is pride? Pride is an undue confidence in and attention to one's own skills, accomplishments, state, possessions, or position. Definition from the Holman Bible Dictionary. We know that the scriptures warn us on multiple occasions against pride. We read in Proverbs 16, verse 18, Pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. Proverbs 16, verse 5, Everyone who is arrogant in heart is an abomination to the Lord. Be assured, he will not go unpunished. These are strong words. The Bible doesn't hold back. But then, a verse that describes what pride is not. 1 Corinthians 13, verse 4. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. And I think, I think this ties in well with the gifts that we are speaking about because we see here in our verse in Corinthians that love and pride don't work together. Love is not envious nor proud, but it is kind and patient. And if we think of how we are to go about the gifts that we have received, it should be from a position of love. We see that we have received these gifts from God And he determines the gifts we receive. He also determines the measure to which we are able to use these gifts. And that's the way he intended for it to be, and that is good. We can't be comparing ourselves in our giftings to one another. We can't boast or be puffed up with pride because we think that the goodness of our gift flows from within us. That'll be thinking too highly of ourselves. We have received these gifts to serve each other in love. All of us here, anchored, have received gifts. We all have received different gifts. We make up different parts of the body. But we're all part of the body of Christ. This morning, we have teachers We have leaders, we have people who serve, people who exhort. These are your gifts. Use them. Cultivate them. Strengthen the body of Christ with them. If it is proclaiming the word of God, do it trusting that the word of God is good and true. If it is teaching, Use it to teach those who need to be taught. If you can serve, serve your brothers and sisters in love. If you're called to exhortation, do it in love and in a manner that is uplifting and builds up the church. But anchored, let us use our gifts. Let us use what's been given to us. Let us share in the joy of serving one another the way the Lord intended for us to do so. For this is worshiping God. Now along with these individual gifts, as we have gone through, 
in our text. I do think we also need to talk about the gifts of worship that we have received in in the corporate sense. And by that I mean in, in our gathering as a church. What are these gifts? Well, we see preaching, 2 Timothy 4 verse 2. Praying, Matthew 21, 13. The singing of songs and hymns, Ephesians 5, 19. Colossians 3, 16. The Lord's Supper, 1 Corinthians 11, 23 through 26. And baptism, Matthew 28, 19. And Acts 2, 38 through 39. So why are these so important to the life of the Christian and to the church? Because it is through these gifts of worship that the Holy Spirit works within us and we as believers are able to receive the benefits of our redemption in Christ our Savior. It is also the time where we all come together and offer our praises to the Lord in unity. You see... We are living in a time where the acts of worship have become very individualized. People would rather sit at home and watch a sermon. We'd rather sit alone and pray in silence. We'd rather listen to praise and worship on our phone or a CD. And I don't want you to get me wrong, those things are good. But they can never replace the need for us to take part in them it will part in them with our fellow brothers and sisters in Christ. As a church, we need to pray together, sing together, hear the word together. You see, it is in the gathering of the saints where we hear the word preached. And this word preached is essential to our faith. Paul in Romans, just a bit earlier in Romans ten seventeen, says, and we all know the verse, faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of God. The word was the means of our salvation, and it continues to work through us by sanctifying us. And this sanctification leads us to worship. It equips us to faithfully praise God. The word brings us together in singing praises to our Redeemer. It unites us in baptism where we as the church celebrate the new believer as they die to their sinful past and are raised into a new life in Christ, having been made a part of his body. It leads us in the Lord's Supper, where we come together and partake as the body of Christ in the feast set before us to remember the sacrifice of our Savior on the cross. And the Word draws us to prayer where we come together as a church in unity to bring before the Lord thanksgiving for His goodness and continued mercies and petitions for our needs here on earth. If I can use one of my old analogies, worship is upward and outward. First and foremost, worship is Upward in the sense that we focus everything on God. We give our praise to Him, whether it be in our individual gifts or in the corporate gifts of worship. Our worship is always directed to God. But its effects are seen outwardly as we encourage and strengthen our fellow believers. Anchored 
It is the Word. It is Jesus who has made this possible for us, for you. Anchored this morning, I appeal to you. Let us use the gifts that have been given to us. Let us come together, especially now in our times of transition. Let us not be discouraged. The Lord has given us the gifts to succeed, the gifts of worship that unite us. The Apostle Paul has told us how we can come alongside each other in worship to God and service to our neighbor. We have worked through and seen how it is that we are called to worship in our passage. We have each been given gifts. Ooh, lost my place. We have each been given, yeah, we've each been given gifts, be this through encouragement, service, leading, and exhorting. And we see that this was all determined by God. It's all in His hands. So anchored, let us trust the Lord. Let us use these gifts. These gifts have been given to you. They have been given for you, for the kingdom. But let us also never forget the price that was paid for these gifts. Jesus died on the cross. And he was resurrected. He made this possible for us. The mercy of our salvation is what makes it possible for us to share in these gifts with one another. So let us, by the grace that's gifted to us, turn to our Savior and let us rejoice in His good works, in His mercy, and with faith and trust. Let us worship Him. For from Him and through Him and to him are all things. To him be the glory. Amen. Until next time, know that the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God the Father and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit is with you all.